Welcome back to our podcast, Open Up BYU. We made this podcast once again so we could start the difficult conversations around diversity and inclusion of ethnic minorities here at BYU. Today, we have Joseph Tatioka, an alumni from the PR program here at BYU. Right now, he's working as a professional in Chicago, working for Edelman, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about his background, about what it really is like once we leave, and what his experience was like here at BYU. So my name is Joseph Tatioka. I'm a vice president of Integrated Business Communications at Edelman here in Chicago. I went to school at BYU and graduated from the communications program with an emphasis in PR. I have been working in Chicago for the last 12 years or so, um, all in agency experiences, working with small private, mid-sized, or large public and, and large private PR agencies. My background is easily easily summed up in the fact that I'm a Japanese-American, Spanish-speaking Idaho farm boy. I did grow up in Idaho, but again, like I said, I've spent the last 12 years here in Chicago. I am an adjunct professor at DePaul University in the College of Communications within the PR and Ad program, and I've been married for nearly a, or a little over a decade. I have three children, ages six, four, and two, and most importantly of all of the titles that I carry, I carry the title of advocate for those who do not have a voice for themselves. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I love the fact, kind of like that whole mix you have there with being from Idaho, Spanish-speaking, Asian-American. Like, I think that's so cool. So how does how did that all work out? Like, I, I, I guess I'm mostly confused on, like, how that's kind of mixed in. Like, like who's, <laughs> yeah, whose parents so, what, uh, my, you know? Again, my, I'm Japanese by descent and heritage, and okay. my family moved uh, from... Japan many, many years ago. I'm actually fourth-generation Japanese-American, so my grandmother lived above Pearl Harbor when it was bombed. My grandfather lived on the Big Island on my mom's side. On my dad's side, uh, my grandpa and his brothers lived in Utah and actually all joined up to fight in World War II as part of the 442nd All-Japanese Unit. They fought on the European front next to others who were fighting against Japanese individuals. So very interesting experience for them, very interesting experience from my grandmother's perspective of being in Pearl Harbor when it was bombed by the Japanese. So quite frankly, my family has been in the United States longer than my wife's family, who is, you know, Polish-American. So yeah, I'm fourth-generation Japanese-American, and we went to Idaho to farm. So that's where the farm boy piece comes in. I am Spanish-speaking because I served my mission in California, Fresno. So I like to tell people that I, uh, while I am, you know, I'm kind of like a banana. I'm yellow on the outside. I'm a little bit white on the inside, but my heart is uh, is cafe puro corazón and de cafe. So I am, uh, you know, love love the uh, Latin culture and people, which brings a lot of uh, diversity into my life and experiences that I've been able to have that have helped shape how I view diversity and inclusion. So like, I, so I'm from New York. So a lot of the of this mm-hmm. kind of stuff I hear back home because I just think everyone is from somewhere different. I have a friend whose mom is. Ecuadorian. His dad's Greek. He was born in the U.S., like here in New York, and he speaks Greek, Spanish, and English. And I just, I'm used to, I, I'm very used to it. So when you add in like the Idaho farm boy, I'm like, oh, oh, how did that work out? You know, like just, I think that's so funny. But yeah, that's awesome. I very unique. Yeah, I loved. Yep. I loved growing up in New York because of that. Just because you had such a rich mix of things, and like you met people that. That really were diverse, like in every aspect of their own lives, of just the perspectives they can see and what they can experience based on the different um, like faces they have. I guess. What was the atmosphere like for you when you went to BYU here? Like you said, you're a BYU grad. How was that? Yeah, so I, I graduated from the program about twelve years ago, and uh, you know it was a, a very great program. It was uh, you know a wonderful opportunity to go through, but 
from a diversity perspective, one of very few diverse students in the program. Um, and, you know, I think it's very reflective of the workplace that we work in now, even though it's been 12 years, right, where yeah, the program was mainly female. There were a few males. The ones that were there were typically white, um, Anglo, and then myself. And quite frankly, in the workplace that I work in now here at Edelman in Chicago, I work on a team of, of 15 individuals. I <laughs> I am the only male, <laughs> and uh, the rest of the 14 are women. There is some diversity in the fact that we do have a Latina and, and um, African-American girl working on our team, but uh, for the most part, the rest of the team is uh, is white. Oh, wow. So you kind of never were able to escape that then, like here at BYU and then in the working world as well. It's kind of the same. How did you feel about that, though, while you were going through the program? Like, was it difficult for you? Do you think you didn't really notice it? You didn't really mind? Like, what was what were your feelings like going through it and, and kind of feeling like that? Oh, I'm only Asian male right now in my class or something or in a group. You know, Hector, that's a great question. I think it's interesting because if you look at my background, like I mentioned, I'm from Idaho and I grew up on a farm in south central Idaho. The the environment that I grew up in, I, I lived actually less than 20 minutes away from an internment camp when the Japanese were interned during World War II. They were brought to Idaho from, from the West Coast. Again, I grew up 20 minutes from that, but I never, ever experienced racial injustice as a, as a youth. Uh, in fact, we were the only Japanese Americans in our in our community in school. We were uh, much like a little house on the prairie. We were K through 12, one building, and we were, you know, the only full-blooded Japanese family. There was another family that had two two girls that were half Japanese, but uh, never felt any type of racial discrimination. And in fact, it was kind of interesting because we are a farming community, so there were a lot of uh, Latin individuals, Latinos, and specifically from Mexico as they were farm labor. And, and I did see from that perspective where I grew up feeling a little bit um, like I was, you know, part of the white culture, there was a little bit of exclusion of, of the, the Latin um, individuals that worked in the community. And part of that was just farmer versus worker support. So, you know, again, I, I kind of just grew up realizing and recognizing that I was different, understanding that I was Japanese American and, and what that meant and stood for within our family. And that, you know, <clears throat> we have traditional Japanese culture and values of of representing the family well, it, it was never an issue for me. So coming to BYU, you know, I think the biggest thing that I learned from my mother is just understanding who I was as an individual. And I think that's really important. And when, I, when we talk about diversity and culture and, and, and uh, inclusion, all of that is all about understanding individuals and where we come from and our stories that we have to tell because everyone has a story they want to tell and everyone deserves to, to be heard. And when we understand where individuals come from, you know, that's what makes the world great. And that's what makes everything better. And that's what diversity brings to the table is a richer environment for learning, for work, for ideas, for experiences. And so when I was at BYU, you know, I brought a very unique lens to, to the program and to what I was doing, but it wasn't any different than the other individuals who were there who were also trying to tell their stories, even though they look like everyone else. They definitely were trying to find their space and to make sure that they felt like they belonged. And I think that evolution of diversity and inclusion to include belonging is really important. And it's all about that kindness and understanding individuals and not labeling people based off of race or gender or, um, you know, whatever they may believe. Uh, it's, it's that rich melting pot that, that makes diversity um, so important. And, and while BYU doesn't quite have <clears throat> that diverse aspect to the level that, the, as I would say, you know, a Chicago has or other large metropolitan areas, there are opportunities for students at BYU to get involved. So to, to seek out a little bit of diversity, I, I participated in the Multicultural Student Services Group and, and worked with students uh, of different races. And I think that that helped fulfill that, 
that need and desire I had to connect with individuals and that were different just like me. But at the end of the day, within the program, um, you know, the program was really great about helping me feel like I belonged. I think, you know, that's the strength of the BYU communications program is providing students with opportunity. If you're doing PR, to get involved in PRSSA, to get involved in Y Digital, to find opportunities to, to belong. That's the essence of what the education should be about as an experience where individuals can learn in an environment that's safe and that they feel like they belong and can be heard. Sweet. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, I think, that just creating that, that environment for yourself is very true. So how do you feel about the current work environment for minorities then in public relations, professional works? Do you think it'll be kind of the same as that? Or do you think there's going to be a lot more diversity involved or what, or what have you seen? That is a phenomenal question. I think some of the challenges that we experience in the PR field in particular and and things that Richard Edelman, to his credit, is trying to address here at Edelman worldwide is is a focus on equality, is a focus on belonging um, and leveraging diversity to make sure that everyone does feel included. And diversity at Edelman doesn't mean and isn't defined by race. It isn't defined by sexual orientation or gender. It's defined by what you bring to the table. And that lens that we have as we recruit individuals is very interesting, where we look at an individual and say, that's fantastic that you are a Latin woman in your 50s, but we love that you come from an ad agency and have a planning background. We want to bring you on board to lead our planning group. Or, you know, not because I'm an Asian male, that is why they brought me to Edelman. It's more the idea that my background that I brought as a technology professional focused on technology problems and challenges and telling those stories. Edelman also has employee resource groups that really help to focus and, and help people to feel like they belong. And, and I, I, these groups have been created over the, the past few years. And I think it's really important to highlight that because as individuals, specifically students, look for companies that they want to work for and work with, Finding the culture that's right fit, finding a company that's going to care about you and make sure that you feel included and make sure that you feel like you belong in a group with similar people is really important. So, for example, we have a handful of groups for African-Americans. We have a group called an employee resource group called GRIO. And for February this month, they've been doing a lot of Black History Awareness um, opportunities where we've had lunch and learns and speakers from the community and artists come in and talk about culture and the history uh, we have a Latin group called Inclusivo, and they work with some of our, our, you know, the media here in Chicago, and they brought them in for a panel to talk about some of the Latin challenges that are happening in the different communities and barrios, if you will, that, that are represented here in Chicago. We have an Asian group that I'm just starting to join now that, that the name is to be announced, um, but we're creating an, an employee resource group for all the Asian individuals that work across Edelman, um, specifically here in the U.S., for women. I think one of the biggest challenges in PR that we have is equality for women. Again, my team, you know, while I'm the only male, and as we look across leadership um, in the PR industry in general, a lot of the leaders are men. And Richard Edelman has put a focus on making sure that we have a large representation of women at at the leadership level. And as part of that initiative, one of the groups that we have is called the, the Global Woman Equality Network, WEN. And we focus on empowering women and, and showing young women entering their career path, how they can charter a career to become a general manager of a practice and lead a group. And here in Chicago, um, as we look across our practices, more than 60%, I think we're pushing 70% of the leadership here that lead practices and groups, including our office president, are women. And I think that's amazing. I love that we're focusing on that kind of equality and diversity. From an LGBTQ perspective, we have a group called Equal. For parents, we have a group called Edel Parents, where they bring in 
speakers that can speak to parental issues. We just had a group come in to talk about Bright Star and 529 savings accounts for young kids in education. We also have a group called Forward that focuses on military veterans. So I love my experience at Edelman. I love what I'm doing here in Chicago because I work for a company that I know is focused on making sure employees feel like they belong. It's focused on bringing that diversity together in an inclusive environment to help individuals feel like they belong. We also have here in Chicago specifically, our area code is 312. So we have a 312 Chicago group, which is for levels one through three, um, which is basically AAE through senior account executives, where they're able to meet with executives and they're able to meet with senior leaders and learn more about Edelman and how they can contribute and bring ideas to the table. So again, all these different employee resource groups that really make the experience for me here at Edelman in Chicago a very rich experience. And we're doing this across Edelman in the U.S. as well as worldwide. The companies today, and it's so important for companies to make sure that they're listening to their employees and creating that environment that is both diverse but inclusive. Um, because when employees feel like and understand like they belong in, a, in a, a group of people in a community, whether that is at your work or whether that is in your religious community or whether that's where you live physically, that's when you start to feel like who you are and stay true to yourself and really expand and become a better person and in turn help make whatever organizations where you live, work, or participate in better as well. That's so awesome. So um, I love to see and hear about your kind of wide perspective of what diversity is. So just kind of like to pinpoint that a little bit more, like what does diversity inclusion mean to you from a professional and education standpoint? Like what does that mean to you seeing that you have such a vast wide spectrum of of what that could mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think for me, uh, I, I have been a member of the church my whole life. I'm 35 years old. As I said, I'm a Japanese-American male. I'm married. I have three children. And as I look to my children and what I want to teach them and the legacy that I want to leave, from a diversity perspective, it comes down to respect. We have to respect others. And by respecting others, we seek to understand. We seek knowledge because we fear who and what we don't know. And that is what is, is the enemy to diversity and inclusion. When we know who we are, when we know what we stand for, and when we stay centered on that belief, and as members of the church, we stay centered on Jesus Christ and those Christ-like attributes, diversity and inclusion becomes part of who we are. It manifests itself in the way we treat others and how we're kind. It manifests itself in how we understand other individuals. For me, diversity in Chicago, diversity in the workplace, also includes understanding the cultures and the individuals that people come from. Because Chicago is super rich with diversity and culture from a religious perspective, from food, from people, from all the different types of cultures. Each neighborhood is different. Um, And being able to understand people's individual stories and where they come from helps me to be more inclusive. And I think at the end of the day, you know, as followers of Jesus Christ and children of God, we have a responsibility literally to be inclusive of all others and to help others to achieve a sense of belonging. That's what it's all about. And to me, as I look at my direct reports, as I work with the team that I work with, I know that I perform my best when I feel like I belong, when I feel like my ideas are valued, when I feel like I can contribute something. So I want to reflect that equally to my colleagues, the people I work with. I don't care whether they're male or female. I don't care whether they are, you know, black or Latino or whatever it may be. I don't care color of skin. I don't care race. I don't care your background. What I care about is that you feel like your opinions, your ideas can be heard because that's really important. 
that is so important in the world that we work in. Everything is so divisive. Everything is so black and white. And I don't mean that by race. I mean that by literally you're either progressive or you're conservative or, you know, everything is so black and white that what we're missing in work, what we're missing in life, what we're missing in our communities is this understanding of how diversity makes us stronger and how we can create environments that are inclusive, that people feel like they belong. That's such an important thing for us as well, having that open mindset when we get out there and just kind of like being able to take everyone's ideas. I think that was such a great thing to take away from even school and working with people, you know, in the comms program, we're constantly working group projects or in teams or just even listening to each other's comments in class. I think it's super important that we all can can really listen in a non-judgmental area, being able to be open to, to those ideas. Actually, if I can add one piece to that, you know, as, as, a, as an adjunct professor at DePaul University, I teach courses on intro to public relations as well as media relations. I teach two or three courses a year, one a quarter, essentially. And my classes that I teach to are diverse in the sense that they are freshmen through seniors. Um, I teach undergrads. They're, you know, men and women. There are individuals who are gay, who are Muslim, who are Catholic. They come from various backgrounds, people who come from large metropolitan areas like Chicago, people who transfer from overseas. I've, I had last quarter two, two students from China who their view of media is totally different as, as we understand, you know, just given the, the, the environment that they live in. But what I found as a teacher is it's so important for me to be able to create an environment that is a learning environment where people can feel like they are included, where they can feel like they belong, where they can feel like they can share their thoughts and desires and beliefs, where they can also come up to me. I had um, two students, for example, during Ramadan, they're, they're Muslim, and they said, hey, Professor Tatioka, like, we are currently fasting, it's Ramadan, it's really hard for us in this night class, do you mind if we do X, Y, and Z? And I think as an educator, as somebody who is trying to, to forward our profession, being able to understand where people are coming from and being able to help them through that so that they can worship how, where, and when they, they, they may, and being able to learn from them and understand is super important. It helps me become a better individual. It helps me to better understand where people are coming from. That helps take away that judgmental piece, right? Like, we always need to assume the best of individuals, but it's hard to do that when we grow up in environments where there are models, there are labels that we put people into. And so when you meet somebody, you're like, oh man, Hector, you're from New York City, you're Latin, I already think this certain thing about you, but that's not true. You're so much more than that. That's, there's more to your story. And being able to just see individuals for individuals and not labels helps us to be more inclusive and, and help people feel like they belong. And I think that's important both in the educational sphere as well as in the professional sphere. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that point of view and kind of see where you're coming from there. I think that's come, that's going to like the follow-up question of dealing with people, you know, who, who are Muslim or people from different faiths or different religions and like different different backgrounds in general. You know, a lot of the students here, like on, on BYU campus, they're not used to that. You know, we're an LDS school. Like <laughs> that's that's what most of us are. Most of us are members of the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And that's that's a big deal here. Also, a lot of the students here, are white, uh, a large majority. It's 80% that are, 80% of the student body are white. And um, so they're, they're not really, really experiencing a lot of those things. So after graduation, a lot of us leave Provo. A lot of us leave Utah because most of the agencies and companies that we'd want to work for are in, are in larger cities that, that might have a lot more diversity than we're used to. So what advice would you give to BYU comp students who leave Provo to these areas and entering a more diverse field or a more diverse um, community? I, I think the best advice 
advice that I can give to students twofold. One, get involved now at BYU. One of the things that I did, one of my teachers, and at the time she ran the, y, the equivalent of Y Digital, which was Bradley PR, the student run agency, she was Seventh-day Adventist, and uh, she had set up a program through Food and Care Coalition to feed the homeless on like the third Sunday of the month. And I volunteered to do that with her, and I worked hand in hand with her to feed the homeless and get to know people's stories. And I think extending yourself as a student and opening yourself up to those experiences, to put yourself in an environment that you're not comfortable with, to learn, to seek to understand, I think is really important. And again, Christ taught us to serve. So why not go out and serve and do something good to better your community where you live? And in turn, I learned so much about individuals. I learned so much about the Seventh-day Adventist faith. And I think that's really important. And we seek to understand and we better know people and we're able to, re to interact with them better. And then for the students who are leaving, the second piece of that, I think it's, again, seek to understand. We are always taught that we are, you know, oh, we have to be different. We have to be that light. We have to be, um, you know, good examples of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly right. That's 100% right. But what we can do is we can seek to understand and seek to love other people because they are children of God, because they are individuals. It is so hard to come into this environment where you work with your colleagues and after work, you know, you go out to a happy hour at a bar, right? Um, and you have an opportunity to engage with individuals. Do not be afraid of those situations. Go to, go, to the, go to the bar and order a Coke. Go to the bar and get a water. Drink what you drink and what you'll find is it opens up conversations about you as an individual and people can then seek to understand you better as well. I have found in my professional career the greatest opportunities for me to one, share the gospel, but two, stand for my beliefs and share who I am as an individual and why I am the way I am is through networking events where I'm ordering a Diet Coke or a water um, and having conversations with people and individuals who are also trying to seek to understand. Uh, that's what it's all about. That's what networking is about. And when you go into these big cities, don't be afraid to take a stand and, be, and stay, who, stay centered on who you are. That's really important, and it will open doors for you to be understood, and it will open opportunities for you to connect with other like-minded individuals from different faiths. I have a huge, awesome blessing to currently serve as the Director of Public Affairs for the Illinois Chicago Mission. So I have eight stakes. I work very closely, and my, my job, uh, my calling is to work with other faiths, and I'm working very closely with the, the Muslim leaders here in Chicago. I'm working very closely with the Jewish leaders here in Chicago and connecting them with leaders of the church. And what I found is there are so many individuals out there who are working, who are trying to be better individuals, who are focused on the family, who are focused on making the world a better place. And they're looking for other like-minded individuals. So do not be afraid to open your mouth and have those conversations. You will find that your network will expand and your knowledge will expand and you will become a more inclusive individual. You will become more Christ-like as you look to understand and, and get to know other people um, in a professional environment. So be open to it. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to reach out. I know you're going to move to cities that, that YSA, you know, you're going to focus on where YSAs are, and that's going to be super important um, for those who are unmarried. That's great. But do not be afraid to connect with your with your colleagues and, and, and fellow employees. It's really important to, you know, have those relationships and seek to understand, because in so doing, you will learn a lot about the world. You'll learn, you'll learn a lot about the culture. You'll learn a lot about where you live, um, and that will help make you a better person. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's... Honestly, such great advice for, for, I guess, all of us here, not just, you know, students of the, that are traditionally, you know, the white American um, students here at BYU, but I think that's good advice for everyone. It's so important for us to really understand, you know, like you said, our communities, not just like 
being so clinged on to, like, if we are single, just being clinged on to where our YSA wards are, but, you know, also just getting out there and going out with, with colleagues and, and coworkers. I think that's such a, that's, I think, like I said, I think that's just great advice for everyone, not just um, the white American student. Just like as a last piece of advice, I guess, before we, we go, for minority students specifically, a lot of us face a lot of different types of questions or different types of I guess, experiences above all. Not everyone like has the same experience, but we all shared similar, different experiences. And as we go through BYU, is there any advice you'd want to give the minority students at BYU and young communications professionals in general, like as we go out into the field and go out to get our first jobs, our first internships? Absolutely. I think the thing that I would say to minority students is know who you are. Know your history. Know your ancestry. Understand the power of uniqueness that that brings to you and make that a part of your story. Now make sure it's authentic, right? It can't be something that you're just adding to now, but make it authentic, make it part of who you are because again, everyone has a story to tell and everyone's story is meant to be unique. That's the beauty of diversity and the uniqueness is what makes everyone stronger. So own that, own who you are and don't be afraid of it. Don't, don't step away from that. And that, that goes to who you are from, from whether you're a minority or a white student or whatever that may be, whether you're a member of the church or not, own and know who you are and stay centered on that. Stay centered on your beliefs and your core values because at the end of the day, that's what makes your story unique. That's what makes you who you are and that's what's going to make you who you will be and the impression and legacy that you'll leave in whatever area you go out to work. And that's how people are going to know you. I, I for one, am a very smiley upbeat Japanese American guy and I own that I own that that is my culture that is my heritage that's who I am and I think the biggest compliment that I get from my colleagues here in Chicago isn't the fact that I'm an Asian guy with three kids who's you know enjoying life it's the fact that I smile right like it doesn't matter what I look like it doesn't those things don't matter it matters who I am and how I make others feel and at the end of the day if you can own who you are if you can have that self-confidence and let your behavior shine forth, that's what people are going to know you as. They're not going to know you by the label that they may have or put on you because you're a, you're a diverse minority. They're going to know you for what you do and how you do it, and that's what's important. And if you don't know who you are and you can't own that yourself, you'll never be able to get past that, and you'll never be able to let people see the results of who you are through your behavior. Um, so take time to own that. Take time to have that self-confidence own your story. My friends who were at BYU who are diverse, who have gone out and been successful, whether it's in communications or other fields, are individuals who love who they are, who love their culture and who love their history and own that story. Um, so my, my deepest hope for all BYU students and all students who are listening to this, whether you're a minority or not, is that you know who you are, understand your story and tell it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. That was, that was so great. And I definitely will, you know, I hope to to know who I am when I go out there and, and really convey that story. But thank you so much again, Joseph, for calling in today. You know, I know you have a busy schedule, so we, we really appreciate it. And sharing your perspective with us on, on what it's really like, you know, in the in a professional career and and working as a representative, you know, as like um to include diversity in your in your career path. So thank you again for that. My pleasure. Thanks, Hector. All right, thank you so much. Now BYU we encourage you to also open up about issues regarding diversity and inclusion on campus. Make sure to follow our Instagram page, OpenUpBYU, and DM us if you have any questions or suggestions for our podcast. 
Also, check out the book we discussed called Diverse Voices, Profiles and Leadership. You can DM us if you're interested in ordering a book or taking a, taking a read or taking a quick, a quick glance. Subscribe to our, our podcasts wherever you hear them, either on Spotify, iTunes. We're on both. We'd be happy to be, if you guys were to give us a listen. So thank you so much for listening and hashtag open up BYU.